Welcome to Sharing in Our Caring, the podcast that brings together thought leaders, policymakers, and industry insiders. During our programs, we'll be shedding light on the human services sector that is often overlooked, but impacts us all. Join us for engaging conversations aimed at making positive change in this important space. Hi, everyone. I'm excited to be here on our current episode of Sharing and Our Caring. I'm Elliot Masuda, the Strategic Partnerships Manager at Foothold Technology. And I have with me today, Paul Rossi, my co-host, and I'm going to give him the opportunity to introduce himself. Great. Thanks, Elliot. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Like you said, my name is Paul Rossi, and I'm the Head of Customer Advocacy here at Foothold Technology. Awesome. And so today on our episode, we're going to be talking about Pledge 1%, which is a national social impact initiative that our company, Foothold Technology, takes part in. And we're trying to highlight this because we support organizations and our clients that give back day in and day out in the work that they do. And we try to give back in the ways that we can. And so we wanted to highlight one of these initiatives that we do, which is a pledge 1%. I agree with you on that. I mean, the idea behind the pledge 1% is really just to inspire folks to be a source of good in their communities. And if you think about it, it really just depends on a penny. It's a penny on every dollar and it seems so small, but it can be really impactful as it scales. And I think that as we get in and we talk with our guests today, we're going to hear about an idea that started very small with them and actually grew to have quite an impact. Yeah, so I think it's a great segue to introduce our two organizations that we're supporting this year. So Project Night Night and Knock Knock Give a Sock. So let's jump in here from both of them and learn a little bit about how they got started. My name is Kendra Robbins, and I'm the founder and executive director of Project Night Night. So Project Night Night, I suppose, like any origin story, started very humbly and almost by mistake, if that's the correct word. I was a corporate attorney in San Francisco for a number of years, and my husband decided we were going to move to Michigan for two years for him to attend school. When I was on board and arrived in Ann Arbor, and I was not licensed to practice law. So all of a sudden, I went from a career to nothing, truly overnight, and kind of had that existential crisis of what am I going to do and how am I going to change my career and how am I going to adjust? And I think what was daunting at the beginning was that my ideas were far too grand. I was not going to solve the climate crisis as one individual. I was not going to bring clean water to Africa as one individual and certainly not one individual with a toddler. But my husband and my young son, who was 16 months at the time, and I traveled. And my son went to bed very easily in a number of different locations. And that really was my aha moment. I thought, all right, so to him, he is home and he is comforted and he is okay when we have familiar objects with us. For him, the environment was not as critical. And I thought, all right, that's kind of the situation for domestic violence victims, very loosely, obviously. And maybe I can help those children under the same circumstances, the idea of giving them something that's comforting and feels maybe a little like home to them when they are facing extreme and very 
charged and difficult circumstances. It was in my wheelhouse and I thought, all right, this is where I'm gonna start. This is my piece of the puzzle. I rolled out a trash can to the end of my driveway and pasted a little sign that said, you know, please put in your extra blankets and books and stuffed animals. And probably in 45 minutes, it was just overflowing with things. And I took them, I took a blanket, a book, a stuffed animal, wrapped it with a ribbon and delivered them to a domestic violence shelter. And those were the first night-night packages. That was, you know, 1.0. It looks very different now. The concept is the same, but how we do it, the quality of what goes in it, and the number of children we serve is vastly different than in 2005. But that is how we began. That's such a great story. I love that the organization was essentially born out of an existential crisis its founder was having. Our next guest has a little bit of a different story. Let's give it a listen. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for having me on here today. My name is Adina Lichtman, and I'm the founder and CEO of Knock Knock Give a Sock. So Knock Knock Give a Sock actually started a whole bunch of years ago when I was a sophomore in college at NYU, and I was giving out sandwiches to some of my neighbors on the street. And one guy said, ma'am, so nice you're giving out sandwiches, but one thing we could actually really use are a pair of socks. So I ran up to my dorm room, I opened in the drawer and saw I had pink socks and polka dotted socks and they really weren't going to fit my new friend Diego. So I decided to knock on every door on my floor in the building. And in about 15 minutes, I got over 40 pairs of socks. Fast forward to my senior year of college, we've actually spread to over 20 college campuses and collected over 50,000 pairs of socks. It was great to hear, although very similar, a little bit different to the origin stories of the two organizations. One of the things that really resonated with me in speaking with Kendra was this aha moment that she had about people helping. You know, I think we all take for granted, if you will, the power of giving and how people are wanting to give and they just need a little direction. And her story about how she was able to leverage her relationships and the community to grow the organization was very powerful. I had another aha moment when I was speaking to my husband and kind of getting a little frustrated that I couldn't scale. And he said, well, have you asked for help? And the answer was really no, I hadn't. I mean, apart from pulling out the trash can to the end of my block and sort of asking for help, I hadn't really touched the community and said, hey, actually, this is what I need. Do you have these items? Could you bring them to me? Could you purchase them if you don't have them? Really just laying bare what we needed. And I think I underestimated two things, the generosity of the community and their predilection to help, that people really want to help. And a lot of times they don't know how. And by simply asking, you've done 99% of the work. So that is really how we scaled very drastically after that. I asked for help. And so what that meant and what that looked like was taking Project Night Night into schools or faith-based organizations or companies Girl Scout troops, anybody that really wanted a touch point in the community, they could gather supplies for us, new blankets, books, stuffed animals, deliver them to me. At that time, folks could pack them into tote bags and we would match them with a shelter to which to deliver them. 
basically we harness the power of the community to help get this out into scale. Yeah. And you touched a little bit about how kind of the pandemic impacted you. Are there different things you all do? I saw some corporate ways to do corporate uh, team building team. Yeah. Thank you. Team building (laughs) on your website as well. So I'd love to hear different things that Project Night Night does. Effectively, we do one thing and we try and do it really well. So we took our one piece of the puzzle, which is to bring comfort and high quality literacy materials to unhoused children 12 and under. That's kind of our piece. And as we grew over the last 16 years or so, what has happened is that we have, with the support of the community and different corporations, have been able to really get the quality of those items to a level that housed peers might see. So for example, what your children would enjoy, the books they would open, the blankets they would use, the stuffed animal they would be gifted, we have the same quality going out now. And that means that a night-night package might be actually worth $75 or $100 with the materials inside, but we can actually get it out through partnerships with somewhere between $20 and $25. So that's wonderful. But that's our main, that is all we do. However, one of the ways we get support for this is that a lot of companies would like a team building exercise and we can bring the product on site or send the product on site. And then we match them with shelters and get that out directly. So that hasn't changed, thank goodness, in the pandemic. However, it's definitely stepped down because fewer people are back in the offices Other than that, we have the community help by donating product, either through our wish list or if you're in the Bay Area or in Michigan, you can do it personally. But our wish list is generally the best. And then we now fill the packages from here and centralized location and then get them out to the shelters. That reduced the number of touch points and that was requested by shelters so that volunteers weren't touching the product and then putting them in their cars. And then we were touching the product and putting them in our cars. So those are things that we had to adjust to and had to tailor our community involvement a little bit. But folks have been, again, wonderful about understanding that. I think, you know, both founders really probably can't overstate enough how important community support is for an organization to take off. As Kendra told us, you know, it was as simple as asking for help and finding that the community really does want to be of service and wants to be helpful. Adina's situation was just a tiny bit different, right? Because she's in an undergraduate university environment. Students are forever looking for projects to get off the ground. So you would make some assumptions about help being more readily available. Yeah. And as you pointed out, they're kind of just in different stages of life. Kendra is starting as a mother with a kid and tapped into her network of families. And Adina is in college. She talks about social media, which is so prevalent right now. And she was able to capitalize on that and really the support of her college community, which is just so different from Kendra. So let's hear Adina tell us more about Knock Knock Give a Sock. I started collecting socks in my dorm. I started getting other people to sign up in their dorms to collect socks. I ended up making drop-off locations within NYU for people to drop off their socks. And I made a little Facebook page. And then when I made the little Facebook page, I had friends from other universities saying, hey, can we bring this to our school? Can we bring this to our campus? And we even got creative. We're like, we could throw Greek life parties and have people bring a pair of socks for admission. We could have people knocking on doors, collecting socks. Like There were so many creative ways to engage people in collecting socks on their campuses. 
And one thing that I would like to add that I wanted to really explain was the three pillars of our organization that existed basically pre-COVID, but we've had a bunch of pivots. But we basically have three pillars of our organization. We have our sock pillar, which basically includes the half a million pairs of socks that we are distributing every year and our Socks job program in which we hire people living in shelters to help us distribute those socks. The second pillar of that organization are meet your neighbor lunches and dinners, which now we've pivoted a little bit virtually, but actually this month we're back to doing them in person, which is really exciting. And then the third pillar is a holiday carnival that we do every year for over 300 kids living in shelters. And then lastly, during the pandemic, when we couldn't bring people together to humanize homelessness in this way. We actually wrote a set of children's books on homelessness to help humanize homelessness in a time when we couldn't bring people together. I think this would be a great opportunity just to thank both of our guests. It was amazing for us to have Kendra and Adina talk about their organizations and just their passion that they bring to both their organizations. And I think we wanted to obviously give them the opportunity to share how all of our listeners can support them. Yeah, I mean, look, I can only imagine that anyone listening is eager to find out how they might be able to support an organization like these. They're both doing such great work. So just kind of going back to the original question before I got sidetracked myself. (laughs) So how can people get involved with a knock, knock, give a sock? So I would say there are three different ways. One, obviously you can collect socks, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's in your kid's school, whether it's in your house of worship, any clubs that you're a part of. Super easy to sign up for a sock drive. You can go to our website, www.kkgs.org. And you can sign your your community up for a sock drive. The other way is you can order a set of our children's books and you can provide it to a classroom where a teacher can teach their class about homelessness or just to talk about homelessness with your kids. And then the third way is if you have communities that you'd like to engage in these meet your neighbor dinners, reach out. You could email adina, A-D-I-N-A at kkgs.org. And I'm happy to explore ways in which we can engage your local community in a meet your neighbor dinner. Thanks, Adina. And Kendra, you kind of talked throughout about how people can get engaged or help support the work that you all do. Can you just tell us the different ways that people can get involved with Project Night Night? Right now, the help that we need, the easiest way to support us is to go online, find our wish list, and send us something from that. If the items on the wish list don't float your boat for whatever reason, and you prefer different books or different stuffed animals, we would love to receive those as well. So sending them to us, assuming you don't live very close to us, is ideal. So that's one way. Go to the website, send us something from our wish list. We would love to have it. The other way is make a donation. It takes, as I said, about $25 for us to get a bag worth about a hundred into the arms of a child. So you can make a donation. And again, every $25, we get another night night package out. So that's really easy as well. We will absolutely take things by mail. So if your company wants to do a book drive or a blanket drive or something and send it to us, that's wonderful. And then if you want to do corporate team building, we discussed before, that's a whole nother section of the website. And we would love to have that. 
I'm really grateful that Foothold participates in the 1% pledge. It's certainly given us an opportunity to support excellent work that we've just heard about. And it was a delight to get a chance to speak with both Kendra and Adina about their organizations that we were in turn able to share with you. Yeah, and I think having these organizations be brought up internally from our colleagues so that they were able to share the stories really just adds that personal touch and even makes all of our colleagues and company just more connected. I think the great thing about the 1% pledge is, you know, as you mentioned earlier, it's uplifting for our company, right? I think a lot of companies want to feel that they're doing good. I completely agree. And it goes beyond just feeling that they're doing good. In fact, knowing that you're doing good. I mean, we're a 1% pledge committed organization. We're a B Corps. There's a lot of stuff that we're doing as Foothill Technology out in the community that's really, really beneficial. But as it relates to the 1% pledge specifically, this is our second year running. And, you know, we've had a tremendous impact. You know, Adina mentioned that she was able to bring a staff person back on board that she had to let go of during the pandemic. So I think the benefits are really wonderful. Yeah. And so I guess one of the things that we should say is if your company is not taking part of the 1% pledge, we would recommend that you look into that and try to share that with your company or with your community. It's really a great initiative. Yeah, I agree. And I hope our listener base is a bit broader than mostly nonprofits, because I think that they have different limitations when it comes to this kind of charitable support. But there's just so many ways to give back. And like I said earlier, we were just really delighted to be able to participate in the 1% pledge and support organizations like Adina's and Kendra's. And with that, Paul, that brings us to the end of our episode. It was a pleasure hosting with you, and I am excited to do many more in the future. Absolutely. Thanks, Elliot. This was a lot of fun. Like we've said, it it was great meeting Adina and Kendra and helping them put the stories together for this episode. And I'm definitely looking forward to our next episode on destigmatizing our unhoused neighbors. And to wrap up our episode, we want to leave you with a final thought from Kendra. I think my final thought would be just that everything helps. I think sometimes folks feel like they can't make a difference, that what they're doing isn't big enough whether it's their time or money capacity. And what I would say is that I am living proof that really just starting is helpful and that we really encourage people to give their time or their resources in an amount that's meaningful to them. And that can look very different depending on your own environment or lifestyle. And that's what makes a difference. You may send us one book, And that's one more child that's opening that book, that's having it read to them at night, that's having a meaningful impact on their life. So just making one step, doing one thing, we appreciate it. And we actually really do notice it and are very grateful. Thanks for listening to Sharing in Our Caring, brought to you by Foothold Technology. Special thanks to our guests, Kendra Robbins and Adina Lichtman. We also want to give a shout out to Resonate, who has helped us with production and editing. And if you liked this episode and want to hear more, please like and subscribe and consider following us on our social media channels by searching at Foothold Tech. For more information, visit us at footholdtechnology.com and we'll catch you on our next episode.